began so long ago with a band of Queen's Park men. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Spiders Talk podcast. It's David Blair, Enzo Tamanini and Callum Stewart. Back again, we had a week off last week with the, um, I think it was pretty expected that the Dunfermline away game was going to be called off due to the issues they were having with their pitch and of course the issues they were having with their squad as well. Um, I wonder if that week off has maybe potentially killed a little bit the momentum we were hoping to take on after the Wraith Rovers win because we showed up at Hamden, up against Air United, a pretty, um, well, disappointing performance and a very disappointing result. We're going down to a 2-1 defeat. We'll talk about some of the major points there and of course there will be an effect going into next week's game against Inverness with the long trip up north there. And we will try and sprinkle in some more exciting, maybe some more positive news in between when we look at results elsewhere and and perhaps even try and talk about the transfer window, which will be slamming shut in a, a couple of days' time. Calvin Ezra, as I say, we were all at Hamden on Saturday. Uh, we've just sat and spoke for about five, ten minutes before we've started here. Uh, we've set ourselves right, right up for this chat today, haven't we? Yeah, it's... Um... <laughs> It's a bit of a reality check, isn't it? I was I was quite excited after the win over Wraith and obviously Davidson coming in and I kind of fully expected to go into the Dunfermline game and have a good performance knowing all of their injury woes that they had going on and obviously after that getting cancelled. I mean, I was still pretty optimistic going into their game despite Scott Brown getting announced. I felt like upward trajectory, players' team were looking like they were playing in a more comfortable formation, etc. And... It all just kind of a bit of a damp squib, wasn't it? I mean, there's obviously plenty to discuss, but the performance itself, I mean, the first half particularly was was a bit abject. The the refereeing decisions, the sort of luck of the draw in these things went totally against us, and it, it just all sort of culminated in a very, very frustrating result, I think, on the whole, because it was another one of those matches for me where... I'm not sitting looking at air and thinking, "Well, this is a this is a fantastic team." It was, it was another team who were probably equitably bang average, and and as we are, and we we come out the wrong side of it, which is frustrating. And I mean, you only need to have one look at the league table after that result to see the how stark a difference it makes, and the the pressure is the pressure is mounting. I think this is going to be quite a different episode uh, than the, the episode following the Wraith game was. There was a lot of positivity there. Um, I was I was really up for the, the Dunfermline game, despite the fact that I wasn't actually going to be able to attend. I was I was away on holiday last weekend, away getting a bit of winter sunshine. Um, and I was in a really good mood getting into this third game. But unlike you, Callum, I was actually very nervous about this. And you can, you can back me up in our group chat. I was a lot more pessimistic about this game than I normally would be. And I just felt as though... The Dunfermline game being called off, as, as you both mentioned, would potentially have killed any momentum we might have had from, from that race game, because I really do feel as though we would have gone there and, and got a result. And I think that would have carried us better into the game against uh, Air at Hamden, and then obviously with them announcing a new manager, and it doesn't matter who the new manager is, it doesn't matter whether he will be a long-term success with them and, and, and you know, in his career in general, that always gives teams a boost. It always, it just does. That's just how it works. I think uh, you've got guys that, that need to prove themselves to somebody that maybe doesn't know them that well to try and justify their their, their spot in the starting eleven, and they always do up it a wee bit. And I wasn't feeling good about this game, and, and, and ultimately, I was proven, unfortunately, to be right. It was just, it was really bad. And actually, I, I know that I know that we've had some really, really disappointing borderline depressing games and performances this season but I feel as though that, do you know I think Saturday was right up there for me just because we didn't play well but there were elements of it that probably were out with our control that the referee had a bit of a stinker the far side linesman as well and uh, yeah I'm I'm just I'm really really concerned we've got 15 games left to go this season and, and I am thoroughly concerned about where this is going to end up for us I'm, <laughs> it's not looking great right now yeah, um, you, you're right. You you are getting backed up there, Enzo. You were full of the um, the miserable predictions pre-match, which you're usually very much the opposite. So we should have listened to you. Um, could have saved ourselves a slight little bit of pain by not showing up on Saturday. But let's talk about the game as he as we've seen it. Um, it was the same starting eleven from the the victory over Wraith Rovers a couple of weeks ago. So pre-match, you were thinking, okay, that, that stands us in good stead, obviously given the, the performance, especially sort of fighting in the, in the second half, as we did against uh, Wraith Rovers then, but 
the first half, first Cal was um, up until well, let's up until the the free kick and the goal there. Um, the first half was pretty uh, pretty miserable, wasn't it? It just wasn't a good game of football. It felt very slow. Both teams, I thought, were were pretty poor. Um, Air had the better of the chances, but nothing of any concern to, to Callum Ferry. I think he had maybe two shots that were on target, but they were very easily collected. Queens, I don't recall creating anything on target. There was that one sort of square ball across the box from Turner that's that's in the highlights package. Aside from that, it was yeah, it was just wasn't a it wasn't a good start to the game, was it? No, it was a, it was an objectively, I think, on the whole, a, a, a bad game of football. It's not going to live long in the memory for for entertainment value, and it, it was just really disappointing. I thought I thought both teams looked leggy, as if they were tired. And I mean, Air have a bit more of an excuse. Well, Air have infinitely more of an excuse for that than we do. And I was just a wee bit kind of, I don't know. I just thought our attacking intent was was pretty absent for for large periods of the game, which which I found slightly confusing. I mean, we talked about the the back five the week before and how much more effective Bruce and Mochen were in those positions because they were able to drive the ball forward and that was clearly where the the good elements of their game lie and they just didn't really do that at all in the first half and whether that was that was instructed or or whether that was just the way that the game was playing out I'm not too sure but both of them looked pretty anonymous in the first half and when you don't have them doing that in that formation then you've got a flat back five with two players in Welsh and Turner playing in defensive mid which suddenly leaves you with a big gaping hole in midfield for for anything that is going to create something resembling an attack so it was pretty turgid and I don't know I, I understand why we went for the the same setup as the first game right because the first game under Davidson because it, it, I mean we won so you can how, how much can you complain about it against a team who's at the top end of the table but I still struggle a wee bit with having Dom Thomas playing sort of alongside Peyton when I just think he's infinitely more effective as a winger. I mean, he's proven that year after year, team after team who have tried him as a striker. I, I just don't think that's that's where he's best suited. And also, I, I'd sort of say the same for, for Jack Turner. I feel like when Turner came to the club initially, there was a long period of time where I think we were all questioning kind of like, what's his role? He doesn't really seem to be doing much for the team questioning his his position etc and then as soon as you put him up beside Peyton and and Thomas you're like oh right okay here it is he's he's a man that plays off the striker gets in wee pockets of space and I just don't think that sort of defensive mid position is is where he should be so yeah I mean fair play Davidson did change it up a bit in the second half but the the first half I think just because of the way that we'd set up on that front just didn't really leave us any opportunity to attack the game yeah, I think I think if we're really set on playing a second striker up with Peyton right now, given that we don't have any alternatives, I, I know that he hasn't particularly impressed when he has played, but I think McKinstry's the only guy that we could we could maybe give a shot in that role because he has sort of played there before. He's, he primarily he's played as a winger, I think, but he has sort of played as as a striker in the past, and I, I think it's worth a shot if Davidson does want to to persist with that formation. Um, and I totally agree with you, though. Thomas can't play through the middle. It's just not his role. But he's one of the best left wingers or wingers in general in the lower leagues in Scotland on his day. Um, and you play him out of position, and, and unfortunately, you just don't get the same results from him. You, you mentioned that other managers and, and other clubs have, have tried it before. It's, it's not the first time. I think uh, I think Coyle tried it at one point as well. I think we saw it with uh, with Veldman at points too. And, and I know that it's happened in the past. But even when he was at Dunfermline, you had Peter Grant and, and John Hughes try to do the same thing. There must come a point where Thomas himself is going, like, surely, and I'm not blaming him for one second, but he must even have a word with the manager and say, listen, I can't, I can't do this. That's the, it's not my natural position. You won't get the best out of me. And that's a, it's a shame for a guy which, you know, who, who does have so much talent. Um, and on top of him in turn, I think another thing that we are sort of missing right now, and I realise that he's he's been fantastic when he's been shoehorned into this position and you, you could potentially make the claim that he's, the best centre half that we have, but we miss Jack Thompson in, in the middle of the park. We miss 
what he brings and, 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 and what he contributes being a bit more central and a, and a bit further forward. And I think we, we desperately need to bring someone in who can naturally fit in as a centre-half so that we can get the most out of him too. Yeah, we 100% do. I mean, I don't know if it's particularly um, obvious in the highlights package, but in the second half when uh, Thompson clearly had the uh, sort of instruction to get the ball and to go forward a little bit more he had two or three like really good runs up the park from from center half with the ball and he just lifts the the team up and it's just that he's been really good at that for the last uh, like 18 months or so where he gets the ball in midfield and does drive forward and does get us up the park and putting him into center half it's just he obviously has the defensive qualities there that we've all seen and he's picked up his man of the match awards from the club and from the bbc and all that he, he's shown that he can play there but Absolutely, his best position is in centre mid, and well, we hope we'll talk about the transfer window later on. But we certainly hope that that centre half is still a position that's being um, looked at, and that would have free up Thompson to get back into midfield and and yeah, help us out there. But with him at the back, yeah, we we kind of struggled in midfield a little bit. Calm, you mentioned sort of Zach Mocking as well. I thought, I mean, he was up against Jamie Murphy, who's obviously a, a very experienced player, and. It really showed a lot of that experience. I thought Mocking had a bit of a terrible time up against him in the first half. Um, and unfortunately, Sean Welsh had a, a pretty terrible time up against uh, McKenzie. Is it Jack McKenzie? I can't mind his first name. But uh, Mark McKenzie is Mark McKenzie of Ayr. Um, Sean Welsh picked up two yellow cards in the game, both with tackles, I shall say in air quotes, because we're going to talk about the first one because... The first one just was not a tackle, and um, it's unbelievable. The ball's played through. Dowd's had a good game as well up front. Um, he knocks the ball down to McKenzie, I think, and he runs at Sean Welsh. He goes to turn from his left to go to his right, and his legs just come away from under him. Like there's, and and you actually see Sean Welsh pulling his leg away from McKenzie as well. It's quite clearly he's not been tripped up. There's, I don't know if there is any contact. I think somebody. Somebody on Pine Bovril, I think it was an air fan, was claiming that Welsh pushed him in the chest. But if you get pushed in the chest, how do you fall forwards? I don't. That's that's utter nonsense. I'm not buying that. Um, yeah. Not only does the linesman not help out the referee, the ref gives it. The ref also books Sean Welsh for this. Again, some people were saying it was for dissent, but if you actually watch the the highlights as well, you have both Jack Turner and Dom Thomas run up to the ref and do the exact same thing as Sean Welsh. Arms out straight and then arms in uh, their head and their hands. Like if if you're going to book Sean Welsh for doing that, you've got to book the other two for dissent. So I'm not buying that either. I, in my opinion, he's booked them for the foul, and it's just not a foul, and it's an utterly disgraceful decision because, especially because they go and score the free kick and we go in at half time one nil down. Um, as we've seen the replay many a time, but Calum, I assume on the night or on the on the day, you were just as convinced as I was in the stand as soon as you seen it first time. He quite clearly just fell over his own feet and there was not a foul there at all. Yeah, it's not like one of these ones where it's you need to watch the replay and it's all in the minutia and you can kind of understand how the ref misses it. Like His feet fall backwards because he slips and then he turns around and looks to the referee for the free kick. I don't even necessarily think it's a dive. I do actually just think his feet go away from him. You can see that in the highlights and then the ref just gives a free kick off the back of it. It's just... It's such a bad decision and I mean from there you hope that we can defend it better. I mean jumping obviously the, the free kick goes directly under the wall which is disappointing maybe we need to do that ridiculous have a player lying on the ground if we're going to be planning that but whether that was what they were intending to do I don't know because Ferry was absolutely screaming at the wall after the goal but it was just it was just really really frustrating and I think Turner then subsequently got booked after they scored that I assume for for dissent as well so it's like off the back of the the ref making a poor decision he's booked two of our players and the ref was fundamentally wrong which was it's just majorly frustrating and there's not much you can do about it I mean we know the standard refereeing in Scotland on a whole is is woeful and we're just going to continue to see examples of it I mean in this game alone it did feel like it was kind of against us a wee bit, unfortunately, because there was two decisions from, you mentioned at the start, David, the far side linesman, where Colin, I think, I assume it was Peyton on both times, um, he's calling him offside when he's just not, like, he's just not. And we were both, both of those times in really, really good goal scoring opportunities. So one of those days on the whole where, where nothing's going for you. 
I think the the bit that's I find frustrating is I mean we talk and we're continuing to talk and we will do so when we go to discuss potential transfer incomings about bringing experience into the side and it's really disappointing for me for Welsh to get that second yellow because I mean if you are talking about experienced players then that's exactly the sort of mistakes that you don't expect them to be making um for him to to slip like that and then pull the player down whether you think that it's 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 light or a bit harsh um i suppose you can argue the point but on that one he actually does give the referee the the option and given what we've seen so far it's no surprise that the referee was more than happy to to go ahead with that so that was that was disappointing because i mean he's clearly going to be a mainstay in the squad for so long as he's fit so to have him missing for next week against his his former club and a a genuine six pointer is is really disappointing. So, aye, very annoying. Aye, you've summed it up well, and I think the the, the really obviously it's, it's disappointing for the for the referee to make a, a decision which was incorrect. That ultimately, has a massive impact on the course of the game. Obviously, the goal and and leading to to Welsh getting a yellow card later on when he already had one for that. Um, by the way, I agree with you, Callum. I've watched it a few times now, and I initially I thought it was a dive, right? But you can see that the air players aren't even claiming for it. They're not, they're not asking for a free kick because they don't think it's a free kick because they also recognise that he just falls. There's no The only contact is as McKenzie's on his way down, he kind of makes a bit of contact with uh, with Welsh, just as he does because he falls forward into him. But there's, there's no contract, there's no obstruction. It's just a... It's a horrifically bad decision, which ultimately, you know, you, you don't know how that game, what kind of course that game would have taken had that not been given. And, and, and it's it's difficult not to be a bit pissed off about that. But I, I don't think we ultimately handled it that well. I don't think the 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 wall did its job properly with the free kick. I mean, it was, it was smartly taken. He recognised that they were going to jump and he put it underneath them in the corner. Fair play for the finish. And... and um, I totally agree with you. You've got a guy like Welsh who we were excited to get in because he does bring that that experienced head who's been here before, who's seen it all before, and he's putting in daft challenges like that when he's already on a yellow. Like, what what are you thinking? There's no there's no justification for that. Even if he wasn't already on a yellow card, that's a that's kind of a frustrating one to be given away. You don't have to do that under under really any circumstances. Um, so yeah, listen. I, I'm not for one second saying that we were brilliant on Saturday and we deserve to win the game. I think he'll maybe just about shaded it, to be honest with you. But I, I do think that it's difficult not to, to, to dwell on that and think what you know how how might that game have gone had the referee not made such a such a horrific decision. And as you said, I, I mentioned it earlier on, you mentioned that there as well. The far side linesman just wasn't paying attention. There's just no explanation for some of the decisions that he was given. So um, yeah, and, and I don't think to be fair, right. I don't think anybody that listens to us would say that we're the kind of people that come on here and slaughter the referees on a weekly basis for, for getting things wrong. Even when they do get them wrong, we'll maybe make a passing comment on it. So for us to, to, to put so much focus on it just shows how, how frustrated we really are about it. Um, and it was bad. It was it was exceptionally bad. Yeah, it was. Um, and I will even say as well, in the interest of fairness, the, the corner for Queen's Park and the highlights, it's about, I think it's three minutes, 20 seconds in. Um, it was Once again, it was Sean Welsh just before getting, well, before Peyton scored and then obviously him getting sent off. Uh, he once again finds himself on the end of a an in-swinging corner. It's headed straight at Albinson this time, unfortunately. But when you go back and you notice that, you'll see that the defenders all step up, but Rudy Peyton is still standing right in front of the goalkeeper. Albinson still manages to make the save, but Rudy Peyton is quite clearly interfering with play from an offside position. And the linesman doesn't give it. So he was just having an absolute howler for both teams the entire game. Um, I don't, I'm not going to name the ref because I don't actually know his name. <laughs> but uh, if I could, it would be one of those ones where it's like, you're going to have to watch out for this guy in the future. Um, he really did not help. And it was Stephen Kirkland who was the referee in the middle of the park for 90 minutes. But um, that far side linesman, whoever it was, absolutely done him no favours. Uh and yeah, the first Sean Welsh yellow card was a howler. The second one was, well, given there was zero complaints from anybody that time, I think the players on the park agreed that one was a yellow card. And as you said, Enzo, he gave the ref the decision to make. Let's t- let's talk about just uh, 90 seconds before that, where Rudy Payton scored his 11th league goal of the season, which, you know, again, fantastic return from him so far. Uh, and this team that's struggling, and it was a absolutely fantastic cross in from Dom Thomas out on the right hand side. He cuts inside, whips it in with his left, 
and and Rooney Payton makes a, a a near sort of near post run, gets in ahead of everybody and buries it into the back of the net. It was a, a fantastic cross and a great finish. And at that point, the momentum was swinging Queen's Park's way. We were having, as I say, that corner just before it, and I think we had another wee half chance as well. And then and then we just go and shoot ourselves in the foot. I mean, we are the we are the absolute masters of our own downfall this season, on and off the park. We just seem to keep finding new ways to kick ourselves while we're down. Yeah, it's 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 actually comical. Like, see when you think of the amount of instances of this kind of thing over the course of the season, because you're totally right. Like, similar to the Wraith game, we were up against it in the first half, and then second half it was it was looking like a massive improvement. And I honestly thought once we scored that goal, I was like, cool, like we're, we're playing a lot better now. Every chance that we go in and win this. But as soon as as soon as soon Welsh got it sent off, you knew that was the end of it. And just kind of reflective of of the entirety of this year. Like the our disciplinary record has been just very, very, very poor. I was having a quick look. We were, we're joint top for, for red cards in the league and we're third in the league for, for yellow cards. And that's, I honestly, I can't remember anything that's overtly dirty that we've that we've done this season. I can, it, it all seems to be for like wee moments of just a guy having a step on you and then tripping him up or petulance or talking back at the ref. Just loads and loads of wee indiscretions which are resulting in us getting these moments of of stupidity really more than anything else, which is which is really really annoying and. I hope that's something that Davidson can fix because that is a sort of thing that's preventable. I mean, we've even got more red cards than Morton, who surprisingly have only had, I've got the stats here, they've only had one this season, despite having 23 more yellow cards than us. Um, so they, they clearly know how to to get their fouls and um, and not get sent off. And I think that comes back down to the whole streetwise element of it because, I mean, Air, for example, in that game were, were time-wasting practically from when they went 1-0 up, really. And I just feel like we don't have that bit about us to... I don't know whether it's play the nasty side of the game or the streetwise side of the game, whatever you want to call it. There's just something lacking there, I think. On the whole, our, our team's a bit naive, and I guess that's probably largely down to the age profile, but it's costing us points game on game. And I think uh, what's really interesting about that, Callum, is that if I remember correctly, last season we had the best disciplinary record in the league. Um, we, we were very rarely picking up silly yellow cards, and, and I can't remember many reds at all. Uh, so, so to go from one extreme to the other is quite interesting. It makes you it makes you wonder exactly exactly what's going on and, and what it is. And I think I think you are right. It's just these young guys that haven't played at this level of football before. But then, you know, what's the what's the explanation for Welsh? This is a guy who's done it all. Do you know what I mean? So why is he doing that? And you're right, this is, this is something that Davidson, he's, he's only been here for a few weeks, better mind, a couple of weeks now, really, and he's, he's probably not had the chance to, to learn everything he wants about the team yet, and, and I still think there's there's plenty of room for improvement, and it's certainly possible that we might improve, we've got 15 games left in the season to do that, um, and that's certainly something he's going to have to work with them on, because they, they just they just need to keep the head when things go against them, and it's not, you know, I, I could almost understand lashing out a little bit, uh, after something's gone against you and, and you found yourself a goal down or whatever, but Welsh's on Saturday there was after we'd equalised. We had just equalised and we are thinking, right, okay, let's push on, let's let's get a winner now. And all of a sudden, we find ourselves in, a, in an almost insurmountable situation. It's just, uh, it's it's not good. No, it definitely is not. And um, as I say, Sean Welsh was sent off 65th minute and then it was 10 minutes later on that it was Mark McKenzie making it 2-1 for air. Again, you just look at it and you think we probably should and could have cut that out a little bit better. Uh, the pass into the box from the air player, I think it actually hits off Dom Thomas some way or how. I'm not quite sure what happens, but it hits off him, yet yeah, still picked up by Bryden, who, while running away from goal, manages to turn around get it across and McKenzie runs in. I think you look at Jack Spong and Alex Bannon there between the two of them. They do not deal with that near post run. Um, and yeah, it gives McKenzie a bit of an easy tap in. There makes it 2-1. You know, we did still try and I'm actually watching the highlights again as, as I'm talking. And the last one, because as I say, that far side linesman had an absolute disaster of a game. He's, 
when we're attacking, and I think McKinstry plays the ball out to Rudy Payton, it's 6 minutes 35 on the highlights reel from the, the, the club highlights on, on YouTube, plays a ball out to Rudy Payton, the central defender for air is at least two yards further ahead, he's got a big massive stride at that moment the pass is played, Payton is quite clearly onside, and that's flagged for offside, of course, Payton goes down, cuts it back to, I think it might be Dom Thomas, and actually does score from, from the chance. Um, but it's just, you know, again, it's one of these things where it's what is going on, how another, uh, the last, I think, of the terrible decisions during the game by the linesman. We didn't help ourselves for the rest of the game, though. Um, you know, as it went on, I think Ayr had another couple of chances. Jack Thompson got away with a couple of slips in the middle of the park, I'm sure, as well, where Ayr just could not take advantage of one-on-one or, or two-on-one opportunities uh, with Callum Ferry and, and some of our backtracking defenders. Aidan McGeady came on for a, some wee daft cameo towards the end and tried chipping the goalkeeper and couldn't even get it on target either. Um, really, I think that's it, because the more I talk about this game, the anger I'm getting. I'm starting to remember how mad I was on Saturday evening, so I think should we round that off there? Um, very disappointing all round. Do you guys get anything else you want to bring up on the game? No, I think um, yeah. I mean, it was it was it was just disappointing. And whilst we're complaining about the ref, it's definitely not excusing. I think overall, a, a relatively poor performance from ourselves. Obviously, yeah. you you don't know how that would have turned out if Welsh hadn't got sent off. Maybe we'd have went on to win it. Um, but I think on the whole, that was a game that we still could have went into and and won pretty pretty comfortably. And I'm sure Air would be saying the same thing. They probably think we could have won that by three or four. I, I don't think it was. Both sides, had they turned up and played a wee bit better, I think could have won that game pretty comfortably and we, we didn't. What did um what did you think of McKinstry? So I mean I, I've mentioned this for the last few weeks. I'm I'm still confused as to I don't know, he's got a good pedigree on paper and he's still not really had a, a run in the team. He got a wee bit longer in this game than he's than he's had previously. I thought he looked alright. I think he had uh he seemed to be good at making the half yard of space for the cross, but his crossing was poor to to say the least unfortunately and he did have uh i mean i think it was a bit of a sitter at the end to be honest where the the one where it got crossed into the box and peyton goes to attempt some sort of overhead kick and then just sort of falls on his backside and then it lands to mckinstry at the edge of the six yard box and he he hits it by the post uh, i I wonder if they're going to be tempted to bring him into the game to try and get a wee bit more creativity over the next period of time or if he's just going to be one of these ones that kind of fizzles out. I'm, I'm of the belief that McKinstry is, and I know this is this is something that we've been saying since he made his uh, his first appearance for the club, I'm of the belief that with more time, McKinstry still can be a good player. The problem is that we're running out of time. And I agree with you, he got some of the little things, I mean, he did some of the little things okay, but his crossing was just, it was horrendous. It's, you know, it's it's all well and good making the space and, and, and getting past the guy, but if you can't put the ball in a dangerous area or, or put it anywhere near a Queen's player at all, then there's there's not really much point in getting those little things right. Um I just don't I don't know what we do him at this point. Does he does he get a start? Does do we try playing him in a more central position like I mentioned earlier on, that, that role that uh, Davidson tried to shoehorn Dom Thomas into? I honestly haven't got a clue what to do with him at this stage. Yeah, my, my patience is beginning to run out, to be honest, because I I don't know if we're in a position where we can have a player where you're like, oh, give him a little bit more time to get into it. We're kind of at, <laughs> we're kind of at the point you've already called, Cal, in the Inverness game, a, a six-pointer. I mean, are, are we at the point where we can afford to have players go, okay, give him, give him a couple of weeks in the team to, to get up to speed and get there. He, he should be there, let's be perfectly honest. He, he came with... A decent season last year. Um, it was last year, wasn't it? He was at Motherwell, so he came. You know, he came off the back of a decent se- or a decent half season because, of course, Stuart Kettlewell went into Motherwell and and it kind of froze him out a little bit. But he, he played good football before. He's played at a decent level before, and ever since he's came to Queens Park, we just haven't seen it. I get that he's not had a lot of game time, but from what we've seen so far it just has not been enough it's not been enough to warrant more game time he's got to show a little bit more when he gets his chance in order to get that game time and for me he's just not doing it right now funny one because I remember thinking when we signed him until the end of this season I thought right okay this actually makes sense for for both parties because we get a a really talented player who's going to make a difference to this squad 
and he gets the opportunity to put himself back in the shop window. He's not going to sign for longer until the end of the season, and then he'll probably get picked up again by a club playing at a slightly higher level than us. But see if I'm somebody you know at a higher level or a, a bigger club who's been watching him when he's been getting game time. I, honestly, and I, I feel as though given his past, they probably somebody will probably take a punt on him, but they're not going to be clambering for his signature at this rate. No, they definitely are not. He's, um, as I say, for me, he's not shown enough so far for Queen's Park. And you're right, who else is going to, or if he's wanting to get back further up the, the divisions or, or further up the football chain elsewhere, who's who's going to take a chance on him if he's not shown it for us? So, um, yeah, uh, as I say, that will, um, there we go, that will round off that disappointing result at Hamden. Uh, man of the match, Callum? Oh, eh, uh, Difficult um... one. It is I. Who is not bad? Um, I don't think I could give it to any of the defensive group. They all, I think you were right, what you said about Thompson. He had a few pretty honking errors, actually, which he was lucky not to concede in goals. Bannon, not the best. Um, I think it's probably between Thomas and Peyton for me. I think probably go for Peyton, but it's a because I need to pick someone more than anything, I think. Even before you started contemplating that there, Callum, and sounding as though you didn't want to give it to anyone, Peyton was going to be my response as well, so there's your winner. Yeah, well, I'm happy to give it to Peyton as well. It was a, it was a good finish there, and yeah, he, he put himself about a fair bit, as he always does. Uh, it was a great assist from, from Dom Thomas, but uh, yeah, we'll, we'll give our man of the match for the 2-1 defeat to air to Rudy Peyton. So... Let's move on, and what else have we got to discuss? Well, we'll start with our news roundup, with results from the other Queen's Park teams that we always mention. So, we have, we'll start with the Queen's Park supporters team. So, they played on Saturday morning, or Saturday midday kickoff, so just before uh, the big game at Hamden against Ayr, the supporters team played the Ayr supporters team. And it was a 3-1 win in the morning for the QP supporters. Well, first win of the new year, which was uh, long overdue. It was, uh, great to see. I wasn't playing myself, but went along and watched it. And it was uh, a windy morning and a windy early afternoon, um, as obviously it has been for the last week or so. But we managed to adjust it a fair bit better than the, the Air Boys did and scored a couple of really good goals and one little bit of a, a howler in the air defence. But... You love to see it for the QP boys getting a win, as I say. And then we'll talk about the Queen's Park women as well. So they've had a couple of games since we were last with you because, of course, we didn't come back last week with the Dunfermline game being off. Uh, last week against Gart Cairn, uh, it was a 3-2 defeat for Queen's Park women. Uh, it was Monica Harty and Abby Callahan scoring for Queen's Park. But this weekend, just past there... Uh, they were back to winning ways. It was a 5-1 victory over Glasgow Women. You had Monica Harty again on the score sheet. Hannah Cunningham on her Queen's Park debut. Amy Robertson and Ellie Kane with two goals. I think it's been a fair bit of time since Ellie Kane was in amongst the goals. Obviously after a, a lightning start to the season. So good for her to get back in amongst it. So a 5-1 win and also got to give a... A quick shout-out for, for Lauren McGregor, the, the Queen's Park goalkeeper, who saved two penalties in the game. One of them was tapped in on the rebound, but yeah, two penalty saves as well. Five goals, three points. That's exactly what they'll have been after, bouncing back from, as I say, that, that defeat to Gart Cairn. So I'm just looking for the league table right now. Enzo, do you know you tend to have that handy? Back up to 10 points, clear off Kilmarnock women. Um, 10, women of Livingston are just behind Kilmarnock. Um, so it's still a decent wee gap, and as you say, Ellie Kane, if I, if I remember correctly, she hadn't actually scored in the whole month of January yet, so she wasn't obviously going to go a full calendar month without uh, without managing that, obviously given that she'd won all those Player of the Month awards. Um, so, yeah, really good to get back to winning ways after a bit of a disappointing result the other day, and I think I think they'll be feeling somewhat relieved to to be putting so many goals past the opposition goalkeeper as well. They'd, they'd look to somewhat dry up too. So that's that's obviously a, a really, really positive performance and gives them the opportunity to kick on a wee bit. Yeah, it definitely does. Um, yeah, great to see their backs. They're still 10-point gap at the top of the league, so we'll keep an eye out for their game next week as well. Um, there was no reserve team for the men's uh, games, but there was a name change. So, of course, this season, or was it last season as well? It was Young Queen's Park, obviously following the um, 
the Dutch model of how these youth teams and the reserve teams are, are going. It's been decided that will refer to Queen's or just change to Queen's Park B. Of course, traditionally, the, the reserve team for Queen's Park was known as the Strollers. But it is Queen's Park B. And there was actually a post earlier on today from the club saying that their next couple of games are going to be played at Lesser Hamden. Uh, tomorrow, which is Tuesday the 30th, uh, we're taking on Dunfermline. But that is closed doors. But the week after, I believe it is, um, is it the week after? It doesn't actually say the date, but Celtic, Celtic, so it's a game against Dunfermline. It's tomorrow. It says on the tomorrow afternoon. Oh no, it's not the week after. Sorry, it's Tuesday the twentieth of February. So they're given plenty yep. of advance warning. But that's going to be against Celtic B. That will be open to the public. Two o'clock kickoff on Tuesday. Um, well, I don't understand necessarily the the reasoning behind having the Dunfermline game behind closed doors, but. Reserve team games are moving from Lockinch to the City Stadium. So you've got to then assume, of course, you had the, the women's team were supposed to play there, but it was postponed due to the weather, and then the rearranged fixture wasn't there. But you wonder maybe if this is going to be the start of perhaps using Lesser Hamden, which, quite frankly, it's getting a bit ridiculous that it's not getting used for games for, for Queen's Park teams. Yeah, I think so. I hope so as well. I mean, I, I, if I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt, I'm assuming the reason why the Dunfermline game isn't open to the public is just because it's relatively short notice and that's they've not been able to make arrangements for people to be able to attend it. Um, I don't know. Maybe maybe if you're being cynical, you could say it's because they expect more people to attend the, the game against Celtic. I, I'm not entirely sure what the, the logic behind that was. But listen, that, that stadium is, is sitting there. Um, Scotland aren't going to be using it for a wee while as well, as far as I know. I know they're planning on basing themselves there. Uh, for training prior to the Euros in the summer, but the pitch probably does need to be played on a little bit. So I think I think it's a perfect opportunity to to get the the um, I was going to say young Queens Park Queens Park B. By the way, I, I don't care what they call that team. I think given the the whole uh, Dutch Revolution is is well and truly over, I'm I'm fine with them reverting to something a bit more traditional um, and in the Scottish leagues. It would have been nice maybe to to revert to the, the the strollers name as well. I'm not entirely sure what the, the you know why they decided not to do that, but ultimately it doesn't make much of a difference as long as it's given these young guys the opportunity to play at a decent level and and and, and develop. So that's the, that's the key thing there. Um, but yeah, given that they weren't able to play that game, they get they get froze out thanks to the horrible weather we had back then. Uh, it would be really good to see that the women's team get a, a few games or you know the rest of their games at lesser hand, and especially if it gets to the stage down the line where they have a home fixture to potentially clinch a league title. It would be really, really disappointing if they weren't able to play that unless or, or the six. Yeah. Excuse me. I totally, totally agree. And for both of those, whether it's the, the B team or the women's team, if it's at lesser, people will show up and watch it. I mean, I, I know that if it was midweek and you don't have much to do, there'll be plenty of people that would wander along to to see what's going on. So, yeah, it'll come back around to that engagement thing, doesn't it, with the club, get people more involved at, at every possible level if you can. And also, it's just like, I know that we don't need to say anything about the actual stands, obviously, but the actual pitch itself is fantastic. So to have spent all that money on the pitch and literally nobody to do with Queen's Park playing on it on a regular basis is is wild to me because it might as well not be ours um, in, in that instance if we're only going to use it for Scotland and Celtic B teams. So yeah, hopefully, hopefully that is something that progresses over the next period of time because it feels like a feels like a wee bit of a missed opportunity. Well, also uh, um, in terms of the the B side um, getting the the name changed, I agree. I, I don't really care what it is, but I, I think changing it to something that signals a departure from the previous uh, project and in inverted commas is is a good thing. And also just on these wee these wee tidbits of, of change which happened whilst the, the the Dutch gang were there. I noticed that Davidson was back in the other dugout, the original dugout, because they, they, they talked about that and was it the preview or the post game? I can't remember. But he was back in the original dugout as well, which was um I mean it doesn't mean anything obviously, but oh. I always thought it was odd why they moved in oh, the first place. That's what I was gonna ask. I mean is there any do, do we know why that might have happened? Do you think like I don't know, it seemed random. Given given all the statistical analysis and stuff like that that went went on with with Bucher and and Velma, do you think there was maybe like a 0.47% 
higher chance of the one behind you. <laughs> half or something like that. I have no somebody, idea. somebody had said to me, and I obviously don't know how um, much this, like how much weight this holds, but I don't actually even recall when the first game was that we swapped. If it was even from the very beginning of the season, I think there may have been a game or two at Hamden before we swapped. And I believe that the reason that was given is that the away manager had access to the near side linesman and was therefore talking or, or communicating to the linesman. And it was perhaps decided that if anybody's going to have that benefit, it should be Queen's Park. So therefore it was swapped around for that. I say whether that's true or not, I don't know. I mean, I suppose I could kind of see that, but also at the same time, if you want to shout at the linesman, just go over and shout at the linesman. I don't... I don't think you need to move the, the dugouts around, but anyway, I, whether whether you care about the dugouts moving or not, um, yeah, I believe that is a reason that, that has been touted for it, so I don't, know, I don't know what you make of that. I don't know if that's less or more weird than what I thought it would be. <laughs> exactly, I don't know if it's more or more or less tin pot than, than what you potentially think, but yeah, um, yeah, you're right, There's there's it looks like the club are kind of I just wonder if we're going to just pretend that some of some aspects of the last few years didn't happen, to be perfectly honest, and just play dumb and just, yeah, no, no, we, ne- we never did that at all. We never did that. that. Changing the dugouts, what are you talking about? Young Queen's Park, never heard of them. No, no idea. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, uh, still a few changes going on at the club. And what I mean as well, actually, since we're talking about the changes, Tommy McIntyre was appointed to, was that the head of the academy, I believe? Which was was that not Gardner Spears' former role? So that was a that was a slight change. Yeah, Gardner Spears' former role, and I think a lot of us didn't realise that that was Gardner Spears' role prior to his departure being announced. To be honest with you, but obviously, um, it's it's a guy with so much experience in the game who knows knows the Scottish game uh, particularly well, and he's been involved in in other clubs and done done a good job elsewhere. So um, fingers crossed, he can he can continue to do what he's he's uh, achieved so far with Queens. Yeah, yeah, I actually, I actually forgot about that because that was in the, the in between week, obviously, wasn't it? Yeah. I'm actually, I, I was actually quite pleased with those appointments because they made another one as well, didn't they? Replacing Tommy McIntyre's own role and was it a guy called Anton or something like that? And like the credentials of of them all seem really, really good. I think I'm happy to see the investment just kind of going back into that side of it because that's what my biggest fear is: is we just kind of patch the whole youth development side of it, but that doesn't look to be the case. So. Yeah, I think that's um, a couple of good appointments and hopefully it, it, it's fruitful. Yeah, it was. So um, Tommy McIntyre became the academy director and the new head of the head of academy coaching is Anton Mc- McElhinney. I, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Um, yeah, he's at well, Celtic Connections as well. Obviously, Tommy McIntyre was, was at Celtic in the academy there for so long. So yeah, it's obviously somebody that he knows there as well. Uh Anton actually started his coaching at Queen's Park many years ago before moving on. He's uh, He's been everywhere. He's been at Hibs, Tottenham, and he was out in America as well with the New England Revolution. At least we never changed the club name to anything like that, you know. That's always, it's always a not yet. Cloud, but yeah, Not yet, I suppose. We'll see if anybody else wants to come in and invest in the club. We'll see what name we end up with. But yeah, then he was with the New England Revolution as well. And then back at Celtic. So, yeah, he's got a lot of experience at a lot of different clubs all over the place. So you hope that that will be another another good appointment and we'll see what, what changes that may well bring to um, the academy, the academy set up there as well. Uh, well, we talked briefly about the transfer window also. There was a couple of confirmed... Last time we were on, there was the rumour that Mackenzie Cars was coming in from Celtic B and that indeed proved to be correct. He played about 15 minutes or so against Ayr on Saturday there. We also announced Callum Haspel from the Highland League uh, team, Rothes. It seems to be a short-term contract from what from what we found online. I believe it was his agent posted that it was a, a contract until the end of the season, so it's only like a six-month contract. Really don't know anything about this boy other than that he's a 20-year-old centre-back. Again, the 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 article mentions that Calvin Davidson says, you know, he looks like a player with a lot of potential, so we're getting a chance to have a look at him. Uh, a little bit of an odd signing, as I say, really don't know anything else about him, so we'll see if he makes any appearances or, or gets involved at all. We've also had a little bit of activity for the loanees that were out from Queen's Park. Yet Scott Williamson has been recalled from Cove 
and he was on the bench against Ayr, never got on. And Jack Herity also returned from Spartans, but he went straight back out and loaned to Annan Athletic. And I believe he started their game at the weekend there as well. So uh, a little bit of activity um, coming in so far. I, we've mentioned it many times already. We'll talk about it briefly. But now we're still looking for some major activity before the window shuts in a couple of days' time. We're all agreed that if if we're only got one or two positions to target, it's got to be centre-back first and then striker? Or would you say, with Scott Williamson perhaps being back involved and he could be he could be providing a little bit of relief or maybe even providing on the field like support with Rudy Payton? Do you think he could cover that role for the time being? No. no. <laughs> Unfortunately, okay. no. Okay. I, I think he needs somebody that's going to be playing up alongside Payton that... Similarly, if Peyton got injured for more than a week, could play out the rest of the season and we wouldn't immediately assume that we're, we're doomed. And that, that's not to be too disparaging of Williamson, but he's he's not he's not done it at Cove, he's not done it here. So I don't think we could be relying on that because we need to we fundamentally just have to start winning games of football. So the last two signings are are, are huge. I'm really it is frustrating. I know I know that January transfer window's hard, all that kind of usual chat, but it is frustrating that it's taken to the end of January to kind of get more signings in. But if we if we do get a centre back and a sort of recognised striker, then it gives us it gives us a chance. Because if you look at practically every other team around us, they are strengthening heavily. I mean, look at Inverness, who we're playing next week. They brought in Samuel from Ross County, who's just came in and immediately scored a hat trick. Like that's what that's what we're up against, unfortunately. So it's um it's really, really important that the the next couple of days go go positively for us because if we don't, then we're in a really difficult situation. And I mean, I was talking about the formation earlier and saying how a couple of guys who were out of position. I wonder if it is a bit of a sort of precursor to us signing a centre back and a striker because then you can revert Dom Thomas back into a more familiar role. You can pop Jack Thompson into midfield where Turner was and then put the potential new centre back in there. I'm I'm not sure, but. Yeah, it's a it's a massive couple of days, and on the the two signings that we did wait with, with Carson Haspel, I mean Carson looked all right for the um the the fifteen minutes that he was on. He didn't he looked pretty tidy on the ball, but obviously you can't you can't garner anything really from from fifteen minutes of football. And I agree with you that the the Haspel one is is odds if it's a six month contract. I just sort of assumed that that would be like a an eighteen month one, but maybe. Maybe it's six months and it's a bit of a, a trial for him. But from Davidson's interview when they they signed the two of them, it didn't sound like he was going to be in and about the first team. So I assume it's just going to be Mackenzie Cars who's um, competing for a spot. I think I agree with everything you're saying there, Callum. But is it would it be too far for me to say I actually wouldn't be happy if we only filled one of those gaps? I think we absolutely need a good centre half. And we absolutely need a good, solid option up front as well. We need both of those players if we have any chance of competing and not finishing the bottom two of this division. I just don't see the current group of players being able to drag themselves out of the hole that we're finding ourselves in. Because obviously Saturday was disappointing, not only because we lost and because our performance was disappointing, but when you look at the other results around the league, they really didn't, they didn't do us any favours whatsoever. Um, and we're just we're not in a good place right now. You know, We've got 15 games left. You look at the historically in the championship, you're, you're probably looking at about 40, 42 points to stay safe. Do we have it in us to get another five wins and five draws from 15 games? Because that's that's what we're going to have to achieve, at least if we are going to have any chance of not at least getting into the, the relegation playoffs. And, and I, I couldn't face that. Um, so I think it's really important in the next couple of days that the club backs Davidson. They've, they've brought this experienced manager in who I, I, you know, I think most fans are quite excited about and, and feeling optimistic about, especially after that performance through in Kirkcaldy. Um, it, they need to, they need to, you know, back him. They need to, they need to bring in the players that he requires to get the most out of this, the, the group of players that's already here. And, and we need another centre-half and we need another striker. Otherwise, I don't see us finishing higher up in the league than ninth place. Yeah, it's going to be a very important couple of days. We, you're absolutely right. We need to see Calm Davidson back. And it, maybe it's a little bit cliche, but you've got to assume that when he's coming here, he's been told you'll you'll be able to bring in a couple. of... Obviously, he's already brought in Sean Welsh, but you'd think he's been going to be told you can bring in more than one guy. So, um, 
yeah, we'll certainly see. We'll keep a very close eye. I'm I'm checking Twitter and, and everything every like hour of the day, trying to find some kind of uh, little crumb of a rumor anywhere. But uh, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll have to wait and see what happens. But let's um, let's 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 shall we talk about the upcoming game? Let's preview our trip to Inverness. Uh, we look. Let's look at well the league table and of course the most recent results. So. Queen's Park currently sit in ninth place, 20 points from 21 games. Inverness are currently joint 7th, but they currently sit in 8th place on goal difference. 22 games, 24 points. So a four-point gap, but we do have a game in hand, of course, against Dunfermline later on. Last week, well, of course, we know Queen's Park lost 2-1 to Ayr, but Inverness went to Starks Park like ourselves a couple of weeks ago and won. 3-2 3-2 victory over Wraith Rovers, and I think it was Calm you mentioned it, that it was their new signing, Alex Samuel, on loan from Ross County. He shows up and scores a 10-minute hat-trick, which, what more can you ask for from a from a new signing into the club, you know? Um, elsewhere, I mean, they've made a few other signs. They've signed about three or four defenders as well, haven't they? So they've got plenty of reinforcements in. I don't know, I'm not... I haven't been overly impressed with Inverness watching them, especially when you see them on the telly as well. Like in recent games, they haven't been brilliant. I know they put four passes at Hamden a few months ago, but I just, I, I actually I don't know. See now that the more I think about it, and bear in mind things Enzo you just said as well, the weight of this game, this is this the first? Yeah, we've obviously had our struggles this season. We're obviously in ninth place because that's where we deserve to be. Is this the beginning of, if like, how how many more games can we go before every game becomes a must win, or it, it, does it start now? I mean, I thought it started Saturday before the air game. To be honest with you, that's why I'm so gutted about it. I, I feel as though the next three, four fixtures. Honestly, if we're let's take the next three games, right? So we've got <laughs> we've got Inverness away, and then following Inverness away, we have. Uh, who's after the Inverness game? That's that's the uh, Morton. That's yep. Yeah. So we've got Inverness. No, we've got Inverness. Then Dunfermline. Obviously the rescheduled oh, game. Sorry, yeah, Dunfermline and then Morton. Yep. Yeah. I truly believe we need to take seven points from those games. Uh, and I'd realise people listening might go, "Well, that's pretty unrealistic." It's, it might be unrealistic, but that's the kind of aim that we. That's that needs to be the goal right now because we are at serious risk of cutting ourselves adrift from the eighth place team and. We're running out of time. That the season doesn't last that long. There's, there's not, you know, fifteen games isn't really all that many. Um, and if there's any chance of us avoiding the bottom two places, it needs to start immediately. And and it needs to start even before Saturday with the club showing a bit of intent and bringing in two recognised talented players who've cut it at this level before. Otherwise, I have to say I'm not feeling great about things. Yeah. <laughs> Aye, there's there, there's not there's not much else to add. I, I'm actually just having a look at the the Inverness lineup from the weekend, and you're right, David. So they they brought in Cami Care, they brought in a guy called Mullen, centre back, Savage, centre back. They've got Anderson, who I think's been there longer than than that. They brought in Samuel. So that's one, two, three, four, five, five loanies slash yeah that are in their first team so that they've they've been very active in the transfer market and it's paid off for them in that game i mean wraith are obviously in a bit of a downward spiral right now but they've they've got the win off the back of it so we we just we just need we need to we need to support otherwise um we are going to get cut adrift and we've been kind of default into the position that our broth will finish 10th but i mean if there's a team that's used to scrapping out in this division it's our broth so um i don't think we can even count our chickens on that front so the the next the next few games are massive and you're right end of seven points does sound ambitious but it is it is getting to the stage where it's necessary because we have done nothing else for the rest of the year so it might be ambitious but if we're wanting to drag any of these other teams into a relegation battle with us, then we have to be going and getting those wins. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And well, especially with two of those three next games, Inverness and Dunfermline are the teams that are only four points ahead of us at this moment in time. We need to be taking something off them, dragging them back down with us. Because if they, if they both beat us, I mean, that's... If it actually doesn't. If it actually doesn't bear thinking about it. if they if we lose the next two weeks, I think mid February 
we'll be saying we are fighting for ninth place, which would be utterly miserable. For ninth place, I'm looking forward to best case scenario being prepared for a relegation playoff. Yeah, yeah, that would be horrific. Um, shall we? Shall we try and be a little bit positive? Let's look at like the Queens Park team. Though, of course, we, there could well be some new faces coming in, so some of this may be subject to change. But right now, as we're sitting here Monday night, based on the starting eleven from the air game on Saturday, just there, is there anybody you'd be looking to bring in? Any any changes you'd be looking to make? Again, we're going to assume the this new system, this shape stays. So you're looking, of course. Dom Thomas playing centrally up beside Peyton. The midfield three, of course, well, Sean Welsh is going to have to drop out. Who comes in there? Because it seems, it's obviously very early days, but it seems like maybe Cam Davidson doesn't particularly favour Jack Spong. And I say, I think he could have been a little bit suspect for the air winner on Saturday, so he might not have done himself any favours there. Maybe Mackenzie Castle come in and start. I'm not I sure. The only other one, I mean, I think Spong will come in and start because we don't have too many other options there. Um, and obviously, we mentioned Thomas being played out of position. I don't know how you, with the players that we've got available to us right now, and I hope these won't be the only players we have available to us on Saturday, but based on what we have available to us right now, I don't know how you push Thomas back out and keep this shape. Um, the other player, though, I, I would like to see get a start is actually Ben McPherson. I would like to see him brought back into the starting 11 on Saturday against Inverness. Yeah, I agree with you on McPherson. And I actually I actually think we should change the shape to fit Dom, Dom Thomas more than try to fit him into a different shape at this point, to be honest, because you just lose so much. Like he, He's probably, alongside Peyton, our, our best player in the squad. So I, I, I don't really know what that means because I was looking at it earlier and every formation I come up with leaves some big players out and I'm, I'm not really sure how you piece all that together. I think... Whilst we're talking about incomings, I think there could be a few guys in the periphery who go out on loan because if we do bring in a couple of signings, we're starting to get to quite a big first team of guys who I don't think will be particularly involved with the the upcoming games. But yeah, I'd be wanting to get Dom Thomas back in. I agree with McPherson. Um, I'm going to go on the assumption that we are going to sign a centre-back because I just don't see how it could be possible that we go through this window and not do that. So if we do sign a centre-back, then I'm immediately putting Jack Thompson back into midfield. We need that energy. We need that drive through the middle of the pitch. Um, and yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see what he does because it'll be a big decision point for him. It certainly will. I think Thompson for Welsh would be absolutely ideal. And yeah, that obviously does hinge on, on signing a centre-back or... Do we know how long Charlie Fox is still out for? It's never really been said, has it? We don't have no, a, so a time what, scale, what we've heard through the grapevine is that he might not be back this season. Oh, that's utterly fantastic. In that case, if we don't if we don't sign a centre half, and that is indeed true, then we we deserve to finish. We deserve to finish tenth if that's the case. But let's let's talk about that next week once we can see what's happened with the transfer window shutting. Score predictions for Inverness versus Queen's Park. Callum, any of us, did I have Peyton first goal scorer? He did, David. He well, did. Hey, so, I, might, um, I might be joint last now then. Yes. Yes. Hey! yes. <laughs> so obviously our predictions for the Dunfermline game bend. Uh, 2-1, so none of us got the correct team winner and the correct score. If you add first goal scorer, so that what gets you a whopping two points. So it's all, it's all, um, it's all actually pretty close again. So David, you and I are... Back to battling out for the wooden spoon on 17 points. And Enzo, you're a measly two points ahead now with 19. So it is all quite close. So yeah. you go first this week. I've had a few weeks obviously being last. I'll, I'm happy to let you go first this week, Kelp. Oh, that's very gentlemanly of you. All right, cool. Um, I will go for 1-0. Peyton and just awful, awful game to watch. That's what I'm predicting. <laughs> Uh, I will take three two Queens Park. Oof. Um, Thompson in midfield will score first, and then you'll have Thomas and Peyton also scoring. Cool. Yeah, Enzo. I was actually I was actually leaning towards one 0 as well until you took that first. So I'm going to go two one Queens Park, um, and my scorer will be. Somebody completely unexpected, like Tommy Robson, to get the first goal followed by Rudy Payton. 
take any of them. Yeah, there we go. Um, we're predicting a, pre- a pretty narrow victory, but are we predicting that or do we really feel that's going to happen? Who, who knows? Um, but yes, this Saturday, long trip up to Inverness and we'll, of course, be back next week to review that game and we hope some some big transfer news. But until then, Calvin Enzo, it has been a pleasure as always. Keep finding us on Twitter at Spiders Talk Pod. Keep finding us as well on Pie and Bovril and all the threads relating to Queen's Park as well. Thank you for coming back and listening to us this week. And we will see you all again next week. Cheers. Thanks for listening. Play for the sake of the game.